This is The Art of Being You, and I'm Rachel Wortman. This podcast brings you inspiration, insights, and practical tools to help you become more like Jesus. Get ready to embrace who God has created you to be. I've got a great episode in store for you today, so without further ado, here is The Art of Being You. Welcome back to the podcast, everybody. Welcome to The Art of Being You. I'm so thankful to have you here on the first episode of 2023, and it's going to be hopefully really helpful for you. Look, I just want to dive right into today's content, and then I have a couple of big updates at the end of the episode to share with you. But first, let's talk about shame. Yes, that's how we're kicking off the year. We are talking about places where shame can still be hiding and lurking inside of you that might be a good idea to pay attention to. So I don't know about you, but I absolutely hate shame. I have spent an incredible amount of time in my life overcoming shame. And yet recently I found another pocket of it in me and I'm going, oh my gosh, is this going to be a never ending battle? In my book that I put out this last year, Goodness Culture, it has a chapter devoted to shame. It's called Shame Society. And the idea behind it is looking at how shame has become the primary governing force on the earth, but shame doesn't exist in heaven. And this is so interesting, right? Because when we look at the pattern of heaven, right, we we see in the Bible the way that God interacted with people as Jesus, the way that God interacted with people as God, the way that, um, you know, we, we see the, like, I guess the best way to sum it up would be the heaven to earth model that Jesus asked us to pray. All throughout scripture, we see that God had created something in heaven and the earth was meant to be a reflection of that. It was meant to see that pattern and create that here. And one of the things that we don't see in the pattern of God is shame. How do I know this? Well, one of the best ways to look at this is in the story of the prodigal son, right? In this story, this son has every opportunity to be shamed, and yet the way Jesus tells it, as we are to look at the father of this story as God, right, like as a a parallel, a metaphor to who God is, shame is not present. In fact, we see the father in this story interacting with his son in a way that defies all cultural expectations, I suggest you get the book if you haven't read it yet, even if it's just for this one chapter, because it is so challenging to look at who God presented himself to be in the, in, you know, and in comparison to how we live our own lives. Shame is everywhere. It's how we govern each other. It's how we raise our children to keep them in line. It's how we, uh, you know, force people to do what we want. And yet it's not of God. So, you know, I've been on this long journey, right? I've spent hours and hours and hours, I mean, countless hours really attacking shame in myself. And a couple of weeks ago, I found another pocket of hidden shame in my life. And I was so frustrated. I don't know about you, but, you know, sometimes when we devote ourselves to personal growth so much, when we like stumble upon something that has just been blind to us, it's, it's almost doubly frustrating. And so I was on TikTok and I was listening to this woman sharing in a video and she was talking about a year ago at that point in her life. And she said, I posted this video a year ago. And in it, I was walking through my house and it was in the aftermath of Christmas. The house was kind of super disheveled. And she said, I apologized multiple times in the video saying, you know, I'm sorry, my house looks like this. Just ignore my house looking like this, et cetera. 
she said, what happened next changed the course of my entire 2022. So I'm going, well, okay, I'm intrigued. And she says in the comments, somebody said to her, why do you feel shame about your house being dirty? And she said, I don't feel like I feel shame. And they began this conversation and the woman said to her, if you feel like you're a bad person because of something that you've done or didn't do, that is in essence what shame is. And she said, I started thinking about that, right? And then she started reading um, one of Brene Brown's books. I apologize, I don't know what book it is. But in that book, Brene Brown talks about this idea of being morally neutral, that most of the decisions that we make in life are morally neutral decisions. Now, obviously, not all of the decisions that we make are morally neutral, but a lot of them are. And yet so many of us are feeling moral shame over things that are morally neutral. A great example of this is how tidy your house is, right? And so this woman said, so I committed myself in 2022 to living a shame-free, having a shame-free year. And she was like, it completely changed my life. So I was sitting in a drive-thru picking up food for my family when I was listening to this video. And I thought to myself, morally neutral is such an interesting concept. And I began to just discover how many things in my life I equate moral value to that don't have any moral value. Now, for believers, this is particularly challenging, right? It's dicey. Probably for some of you, your feelers are, you know, you're kind of shields up to red alert already just because I'm I'm encroaching upon something that might feel like I'm giving liberty to sin. And look, make no mistake, there's that's not what I'm doing. Like, does grace abound? Yes, but not so that we can go on sinning, right? I'm a big proponent of being morally righteous as a person, but because it comes from the place of living in communion with God and in our pursuit of the presence of God, the Holy Spirit helps us say no to the things of darkness. Now, a lot of us as believers were taught that we need to be morally right so that we can know God because God won't accept us if we're not. And that's actually just fundamentally not true. It's also not biblical. Okay, yes, there are two specific scriptures that point to this, but ultimately what we see is the invitation to go boldly before the throne of Christ and know that it is the blood of Jesus, for those of us that are in Christ Jesus, that has redeemed you. So before I go off preaching the gospel again on here, which is not a bad thing, I want to continue talking about shame because I have three questions that I want you to ask yourself if this is resonating with you. So here's the reality about shame. Essentially, shame makes you feel like you're a bad person, like like I did something wrong and therefore I'm a bad person. But here's another side of shame that we maybe are not too familiar with. This one is I could have done something different, therefore I'm a bad person. So I don't know about you, but for me, I'm the kind of person who I'm very strategic. I'm very future oriented. I can usually see the path in front of me pretty clearly. And that has pros and it has some real cons. And one of the cons is that if I don't make a decision that I knew I could have made, I can carry a lot of shame. I can carry a lot of shame feeling like I should have, I could have, I would have if, that kind of thinking. And the problem with that is that we are not ever going to live a perfect life. We're not going to get tens across the board every single day that we are alive. But if we carry this weight that you're a bad person versus I made a mistake I'm going to learn from, then we're actually harboring shame in greater and greater amounts. 
So shame would say, I'm bad because, fill in the blank. But grace, the grace of God would say, I'm not good or bad based on my actions, right? I mean, isn't that what the gospel is, that our actions no longer define us? That yes, our actions do cause consequences. They do shape our ability to be faithful. They shape what we're given to steward. So I'm not ignoring that. But fundamentally, are we good or bad? That is no longer being judged based on your actions. It's being judged based on your willingness to have Jesus in your life. Think about it. The gospel says you could never be good enough and you'll never be so bad that you're not welcome. So it's not on, it's not evaluated on the same plane as what shame would evaluate you on. In other words, the methodology that God uses to define good and bad is not the human methodology that we have. This is crazy to me to think about. Like often when I'm talking to the Lord and I'm saying, God, I don't understand this. A lot of times he'll help me to be able to recognize the way that I'm trying to process a kingdom piece of information is through what I understand about the world. And that's fundamentally wrong, right? So we can say, well, I'm a bad person because I haven't spent time with the Lord in like a, I haven't journaled or read my Bible in 2023 yet. So we're six days in at this point of me recording this. So you could say, man, I'm such a bad person. And God's looking at you and saying, well, that doesn't make you good or bad, right? It's the fruit that you bear, but it's not a measure of who you are. Does this make sense? This is why the grace of God is so profound and why I think that it feels so dangerous to pastors to talk about because you're not being evaluated by Jesus based on your actions, guys. You're not. So I would take it a step further and say, don't evaluate yourself as being a bad person based on your actions alone. Now, there are a line, there is a line here, right? I mean, we could definitely get into there are things that make you a bad person or an evil person. But essentially, when God is looking at you, he is saying, I'm not going to define you by what you do. I'm going to define you by who I am in your life. Okay? So that being said, what does shame look like in you? How many times a day are you thinking, I'm a bad person, I'm I'm wrong here, it's all my fault, and always putting the blame onto yourself, even when things have no morality attached to them. Let's go back to this example of having a clean house. I vividly remember the day that I decided to stop caring. (laughs) Now, if you come to my house, you'll see that most of the time, if I have company over, we're going to clean, right? Like we're not, we're not, we're not all the way there, I guess. I don't know what redemption looks like, but my husband and I decided when we have people over, we want the house to look great. But on a day-to-day basis, I don't slave away. I don't like, you know, go to bed every night with my house looking like it could be photographed for a magazine. I mean, we live here, you know? And a long time ago, I had to decide that that was not morally wrong, that I'm not doing anything wrong by having some dishes in the sink for a couple of days. I'm not doing anything morally wrong by letting my kids leave their toys out on the floor when I know tomorrow they're going to go right back to the same toys and, you know, do them. Does that mean you have to do that? Absolutely not. I'm just saying, how many things in our life do we equate moral value that are really morally neutral decisions? What you're going to eat for dinner, probably morally neutral. What you're going to, you know, read next, for the most part, probably morally neutral, right? So this is how I explained it to my husband. 
I said, I think I'm realizing that my morals at this point in my life, they're pretty established. Like I, I don't, they're not going to move. You know, i I like them. I'm, I worked hard for them. I appreciate them. So if you're in a younger season of life and you are establishing your morals, then I really want to challenge you to do that. Well, right. Continue to find the value in choosing the right thing. But here's the kicker. Not every decision has a right answer. Not every decision has a right answer answer. And that I think for some of us is a really, really challenging thing to embrace. Okay. So three questions you need to ask yourself to really go deeper in the concepts of shame in your life. Are you ready for this? Number one, ask yourself, is this whatever is on your mind? Is this morally neutral? Is it morally neutral or is it morally right or wrong? Here's an example. When we watch TV, some of that is morally right or wrong right? Because we know that the eye is the window of the soul. We know that um, the more that we uh, feast on something that we, it becomes a treasure to us and where our treasure is there, our heart is also. We know that, you know, all the science would say that we are the, um, the average of the five people that we spend our time with. And I would add in there that one of those people is probably the entertainment that we consume. So it does affect us, right? So what we watch, what we listen to, yeah, that's probably a moral decision. That's probably moral, but what we're eating, probably morally neutral for most of us. How clean your house is definitely morally neutral, unless, you know, you have like a hundred cats and fleas and, you know, it's causing people in your home physical pain. I mean, that would be definitely in the moral category, but do you see where I'm going with this? So when you're having a conversation and you're starting to feel like, oh my gosh, I'm a bad person because X, Y, Z. Stop and ask yourself, when I made this decision, did it have a moral value attached to it? So if you didn't call somebody back because you were super busy and it was not because you didn't, you know, you were mad at them, but they got offended with you, does that make it a morally neutral decision? I would say yes. I would say yes. So you can release yourself from the shame of that. So first question you're going to ask, is this issue morally neutral? And if it is, you've got to stop right there and ask the Holy Spirit to help you release the shame. And remember, God is not evaluating you and your goodness based on right or wrong. He has already said that you are good. He has given you Jesus so that you could be justified. And then from that place, you get to make the choice to live correct for before the Lord. What is correct? Well, following his way, right? Being his disciple. All right. Number two, why do I want to define myself this way? Why do I want to define myself this way? So let's go back to the cleaning analogy here for a moment. So I remember in that moment thinking to myself, I'm tired of cleaning up. I had three little kids at home. It was like, I felt like I was I was frustrated all day long that I wasn't this picture perfect sort of June Cleaver person. And I'm like, how does June Cleaver never get annoyed about this stuff ending up on the floor over and over again? And I remember kind of having this moment of thinking, I don't want to be governed by being disappointed that my kids are kids. I don't want to be governed by being disappointed that my children and my family can't live like we're models in a magazine. I mean, even models in a magazine aren't living like that. They leave that house that's so pristine and they go to one that's not quite as clean, right? So we have to ask ourselves, do I want to define myself in this way? I'm feeling like a bad person. I'm feeling like it's all my fault. But is this even a methodology that I want to subscribe to? A lot of us have this voice in our mind that is telling us things that Jesus would not say. Think about it. Often 
I think a lot of this, I think this happens often because we haven't invited Jesus into this part of our thoughts yet. So for a lot of people, I meet a lot of people over my years in ministry who have like the voice of their mother in their mind nagging them, right? I remember reading this years ago when my kids were really, really little, and it was talking about how your tone of voice in your children will become how they, they like, it'll become their inner monologue as they grow up into adulthood. So if you're harsh with them, if you're constantly nagging them, that's going to be the voice that lingers in their mind. And I thought, whoa, I don't know if that's true or not, but it definitely changed the way that I speak to my kids or hope to and try to the best that I can. So I'm thinking this is going to be the inner monologue that they're thinking about. Is it filled with kindness? Is it filled with perspective? Is it filled with grace? Right. But a lot of people don't have that in your mind. I would imagine for a lot of you listening to this, you have a fairly challenging inner monologue going on inside of you. And I want to encourage you to invite Jesus into that. Ask him, is this really the narrative that I should be living under? Is this really the tone that I should be speaking to myself in? And Lord, would you come into this place and fix it? Would you come into this place where I'm being sort of, um, you know, habitually thinking about shame and, and, and shaming myself for the standard that I'm not living up to that maybe doesn't matter if I live up to in the first place? So ask yourself, is this morally neutral? Does it have moral value on it? Number two, ask yourself, why do I want to define myself this way? You might say, well, I don't want to define myself. Well, I think that to some degree, if you don't want to, then you've got to make some changes. We are not victims to our own life, guys. We're not passengers to this you know, road of life. We are in the driver's seat. And so if you don't want to be defined by something, then don't. Don't. That might be too blunt. That might be too harsh. I'm not saying it's easy, but I'm saying that it's possible. I've done it and you can do it. And the final question to ask yourself is, do I want to be governed by this voice? I mentioned this just a second ago, but you know, how do I want to define myself? Do I want to define myself this way as a bad person because I don't clean, for example? And then taking that a little bit further and saying, do I want to be governed by this voice that's in my mind telling me I am a bad person about this? I think for most of us, if we stop and actually think about it, we're living under this expectation that somebody had put on us, somebody that we admired, somebody that we loved, and we've never stopped to think about whether or not this is the expectation that we want to be governed by. What do you mean? I'm not governed by that. Well, yeah, you kind of are. If it's causing you to make certain decisions, then it's governing you. I'll never forget one of the weirdest things I've ever heard which was this prophetic guy talking about time and the concept of time. And I don't know if I'm going to do this justice, probably not in this short amount of time, but essentially he was saying we are governed by time. Everything in life has time connected to it in the earth. Music has a time signature, right? And that time signature defines how the song is going to be sung. We live on this 24 hours a day defined time system. Time is a governing power to us. And his point was that God does not live under that same government, that God is outside of the government of time. And this was so interesting to me, just thinking for a long time about how how time really does govern us, which led me to think about all the different things that govern us as well. If something is in your mind causing you to make decisions, then it's governing you. 
So for me, I like to go back to that scripture in Isaiah that says that the government was put on his shoulders. And I'm paraphrasing that, but I like to think, okay, Jesus, whatever your government is, that's what I want to be governed by. Yes, I have to pay my taxes because Jesus said I have to, (laughs) even if I want to say, well, there's no taxes in heaven, you know, I'm going to do what Jesus said. But ultimately, what we're being governed by is not always the kingdom of God. Sometimes it's these voices in our minds or these beliefs that we have that we've never stopped to invite Jesus into. And I want to challenge you to do that today. So if you're saying, I want to have a shame three 2023, a shame free 2023, then maybe this is a good stepping point for you. Maybe these are some good questions to evaluate for yourself. I don't know about you, but I've been thinking about this a lot on a very personal note. And I've been, you know, really thinking about how much of my own expectation for my life has caused me to feel some sort of, you know, internal shame. And the crazy thing is a lot of people don't even know that I have these thoughts about myself and sort of the standard I want to live at. And so then I don't have to say that I'm not hitting it. Right. But I know inside of myself and it kind of eats me, eats at me. And so I'm, I'm actually praying for this year to have a breakthrough in this uh, area of my life on a deeper level. And I know that I will, because God has already brought me so far in this and there's no reason to, you know, not assume he's not going to bring me all the way into utter and complete freedom, which is my goal. So that's all I have for this part of the episode. I want to make a couple of big announcements that are coming up. um, And I, I, I wanted to at least get into the content first today, but we have a really exciting shift happening in our personal life. And so, you know, if you, if you've listened to the podcast for any length of time, you know that my husband Grant and I, we have been in ministry for 20 plus years. And we also have been in business for the last uh, seven years well, often on more than that. And so we have a real estate business. We have a couple of other real estate businesses related to that. But last year, we really felt God putting it on our heart to start something new. So we're not leaving the actual business that we do. We're just adding a new thing in and we're opening up a coaching program called Kingdom Purpose Coaching. And we're a little bit delayed in what we were wanting to do. Our original timeline, if you listened to the last episode, we were trying to launch it, uh, open it up on December 26th. But you know what? Um, We just could not hit that deadline. And that is okay. It doesn't make us morally right or wrong, right? If I'm taking my own advice. Um, We are going to shift the opening just a little bit, but we are so excited about being able to offer this program. We're actually investing a lot into um, the infrastructure of this so that we can really help people. So my personal goal with this is to be able to help 100 people in 2023 feel like they're stepping deeper into their God-given purpose. So who is this group for? Well, it's not just for people who already feel like they, uh, who don't know what their purpose is. If you already feel like you know what your purpose in life is, this group is also for you. It is a paid subscription group. It is a paid online group um, where you're going to get basically discipleship from Grant and I after building a seven-figure business and having just an incredible um, time with the favor of God, watching him be a fascinating business co-owner. And really, he's our CEO. And so uh, we're going to teach everything that we can about how God has brought us to this place and hopefully invest that into you as well. So I want to point you to our website, kingdompurpose.coach. And you can find some more information on there. You can see a video from us um, on there as well. And you can find out information to 
for the sign up when it opens, which is going to be very, very soon. So if you want to stay up to date, I highly recommend you either get on the email address on kingdompurpose.coach or get on my personal email address at rachelwartman.com um, because that's where a lot of our, our updating is going to come. So one exciting thing that I do want to end with and tell you about is that in this, we're also creating a bunch of free content for people who aren't ready yet to pay the money for the coaching program. And so we're opening up a new TikTok account, a new Instagram account. I think it's going to have a Facebook page, which probably won't be updated very much. But in particular, we're going to be launching a YouTube page for Kingdom Purpose Coaching. I actually think it's already open uh, and up on YouTube right now. And so there is going to be free content that you can uh, interact with that will hopefully be helpful for you, for those of you that want to kind of feel it out a little bit before you decide whether or not the coaching group is for you. And so in addition to that, we're going to be launching a Kingdom Purpose Coaching Podcast, which I'm so pumped about. Um, and that's going to be something Grant and I do together. And it's something that we're going to do uh, interviewing people and really just diving into what does it look like in this modern era to live on fire for Jesus, but be a part of, of the world, right? To be a part of building businesses and, and launching careers and all of that. So I'm really, really excited about that. I would love for your prayers. If nothing else, I'd love for you to pray for us in this process. I really feel like this is a huge part of um, the next step of our calling. It's sort of the next era of our life and it's daunting and it's also uh, delightful at the same time. So be on the lookout on my social pages. Go follow Grant uh, on Instagram at Grant Wartman or on Facebook as well. Um, and that way you can sort of stay in the know. We'll be releasing that YouTube account very soon. Um, you can already search for it now and go find more information at kingdompurpose.coach and you'll get all the information that you need. Until next time, be blessed. You've just listened to another episode of The Art of Being You. My goal is to empower you to embrace the goodness of God over your life and step into that abundant life that can only be found in Jesus Christ. And did I mention that I'd love to connect with you? Find me on Facebook and Instagram at Rachel Wartman and on TikTok at The Rachel Wartman. You can find more resources, including my books and other teachings at rachelwartman.com.